right. Hey, would you take your Bible with me this morning? I, uh, man, I love Jesus today. I uh, uh, want to invite you to turn to Luke 23 if you'd like uh, as we're getting started. Uh, but before we do, I just, I, just, I just would like to pray for our election coming up on Tuesday. I don't know if anyone knows there's an election coming up on Tuesday. Hopefully you've all voted. Um, you know, there's been a lot of concern, uh, a lot of concern. I've had moments of, you know, feelings of despair. A lot of, a lot of things circulating, swirling around, conspiracy theories, just lots of concern, a contested election. I read something yesterday. It said something like nine million ballots were in jeopardy. You know, I just thought, oh, what a week next week. <clears throat> so, anyway. Um, so last week, I'm so thankful that, that God is kind and that he speaks to us sometimes when we don't even know he's speaking. I got up, I think it was Monday morning or Tuesday morning, one of those mornings, and I, you know, I got up and I just, you know, I just flopped my Bible on my lap and got ready to have my devotion time, and I prayed a little bit, and then I, I looked down at my Bible, and it was on Isaiah chapter 8. Now, I'm not encouraging any of you to hear a word from the Lord in the way that I, I my Bible was just laying open there. I started reading and I said, Lord, you're talking to, I just knew it. The Lord was speaking to, you don't want to hear the Lord that way. You know, you open your Bible and you, and, um, you, you point to, you know, Judas went out and hung himself and then you know, oh, that's not the Lord. Turn somewhere else. Go, go and do that likewise. That's, that's not, <laughs> okay, that was not God. If that happens to you, that's, that, you know, that's not what, how you want to hear God, but I, you know, I, I, I did, I looked down and immediately it was like the Holy Spirit got my attention. So I'm just going to uh, read for you uh, what I read out of Isaiah. I've got a, on a little bit bigger letters here so I can see it. Um, Isaiah 11, uh, verse, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 8, verse 11 through 14, and I'll put it up on the screen as well. I think I've, did I send it to you, Sonia? Um, uh, it says, this is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Uh, you you got to use your imagination. Isaiah, feeling the hand of the Lord. Have you ever felt the hand of the Lord on you? Because I've felt the hand of the Lord on me when I just feel like it's like a loving father who would grab his children's shoulders and go, listen, I want to tell you something here. Okay, that's what the Lord is doing with Isaiah. He says, this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Do not call a conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will be a holy place. He alone will keep you safe. You know, when I read that first, I just, 
there's such a temptation for me to take on the responsibility for the future of our nation. You know, I want to take it on. I want to pray for it. And, and I, I, I want to make the decisions for everybody because I know what's right better than everybody else. Could it, we all say amen? And, um, I, you know, I, I hope I care as much as you do. And I hope I've prayed as much as you have. I, I know I've prayed a lot. There are a lot of things that concern me about the future of our nation. I felt like the Lord was correcting me. I felt like the Lord was placing his strong hand upon me and saying, right now, you need to fear me, not what's gonna happen in your nation. Because regardless of what happens in your nation, if people don't turn to me, we're in trouble, okay? Fear me, the Lord says, not the future, not this election, not what's gonna happen in the future of our nation, okay? Fear me, the, the Lord says, I am the one who should make you tremble. That's what the Lord said. I am the one who should make you tremble. I am your holy place, and I am your refuge. I don't know what side of the aisle you're on, but I'll tell you, uh, so important that we look to the Lord and we turn to the Lord because he has the future in the palm of his hand. And I really believe that God is calling, to rise up, calling us to rise up as a church in this season and be a light and to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. So I just felt like the Lord gave me that word out of his kindness uh, this last week as a word of direction for me as a pastor to lead this church into the future. That our focus isn't going to be on what's happening around us, but our focus is going to be on the Lord. We're part of an eternal kingdom. Uh, we stand on a rock that will not be shaken. A rock, by the way, who will crush all the kingdoms of this world, the Bible says in the book of Daniel. And because of that, I just felt like I wanted to pray for us and just start this uh, election uh, uh, kind of as a church looking to God and uh, fearing him. So I, I feel like I'm supposed to ask you to stand Be because there are times when the people of God need to stand before God for the reading of the word or, or, or for a time of prayer. I, I feel like we need to stand before God. And Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for placing your hand upon me this last week, early in the morning. Uh, Father, thank you for placing your hand on me and reminding me to look to you and to regard you as holy. Lord, to surrender control to your care Surrender the future, my future, the future of my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. Lord, to surrender the future of this nation into your care and into the palm of your hand. Lord, we've all prayed. Lord, we've all prayed. And we've all asked you for grace and mercy and guidance during this time. And now we surrender it to you. We release it to you and we trust you. Uh, you to care for us. Lord, I pray for protection. Uh, Lord, if the things are contested, if, if there are uh, debates or arguments, if there are uh, demonstrations, Lord, anything that, anything that happens that is just highly publicized on, on, on the media this week, Lord, we just pray for your covering and protection and safety over innocent people. Lord, policemen or uh, officers, Lord, uh, we, we just pray for safety over innocent bypassers, Lord, innocent people. We pray for your mercy, Lord, in the midst of this very, very difficult time. And, and we just trust for your hand 
to guide us as individuals and as a nation, Lord. Our, our hope is in you. You are our refuge. You are our holy place. You will keep us safe. Lord, we look to you. We trust in you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, uh, could we all say amen together? Amen. Thanks so much for allowing me to do that this morning. Amen. So, um, we're in Luke 23, uh, 55 through Luke 24, verse 10. I want to talk a little bit about friendships this morning. And the title of the sermon is, How Strong is Your Support System? Let me begin reading verse 55, Luke uh, 23, and I'll read down through verse 10 in uh, Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and, and when they entered, uh, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Uh, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning uh, stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. <laughs> he has risen. How many are thankful that Jesus is alive? What a difference he makes. He's alive. He's alive from the dead. He, he's alive from the tomb. He's alive from sin and death. He is alive. We follow we serve, we worship a risen Savior. Remember how he told you uh, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised. Then they remembered his words. Uh, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others, probably in great detail, as my wife would tell me. But anyway, remember, these are women. Verse 10, uh, it was uh, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, uh, Mary, the, the mother of James, and, and the others. You ever seen that in the Bible? We hear of Mary Magdalene being there uh, the morning before, as Jesus rose from the dead. We don't always uh, th hear uh, about more people. There was Mary Magdalene, there was Joanna, there was Mary, the mother of James, and others. Others with them who told this uh, to the apostles. So let's talk a little bit about support systems first. I don't know what you think of when you think of the phrase support system. If you're a contractor or maybe a project manager preparing to build a building like this one, maybe meeting with an architect, you're probably talking about you know, rafters and beams and footings. That beam right there on the wall. Yeah, that is a hunk of steel. And it's got, a, it's got a dump truck load of concrete around it. It's about three feet deep and about, about eight by eight, the footing holding up that beam that supports uh, this section of the roof. And if, of course, you're a contractor, you're thinking support systems. You're thinking of beams and, you know, footings and rafters and a 12-foot retaining wall that's about 14 inches deep of concrete behind us holding up the hill. If you're a... If you're a business owner, or if you're maybe a manager of Walmart, 
or Fred Meyer. Can you imagine this pandemic? There's no toilet paper. So you're thinking of your support system. You're thinking of supply chains. You're thinking of distributor, uh, dis distribution centers. You're thinking of online sales and management teams because you've got a support system that, that makes it work for you. If you're the CEO of the hospital, can you imagine? You know, we think of doctors and nurses, but there's a lot to that hospital. You know, there's lab techs, <laughs> there's radiology, there's IT, all kinds of computer systems because we can't do anything without that anymore. Can you imagine the cleaning? The, the cleaning in surgery rooms and, you know, counters and hospital rooms and, you know, all the railings on the beds and everything, just the... The volunteers and, you know, greeting people as they come into the hospital. Just a huge support system uh, that, that operates without your knowing it, but cares for you and, and keeps you safe. It's, a, it's amazing. What about the air base? Have you thought about the support system? They're training pilots out there to help with national security. I mean, they've got instructors and simulators and, you know, they've got maintenance on planes. They've got mechanics. They've got parts somewhere. They were shipped, but we can't find them. Uh, air traffic controllers and, of course, uh, guidelines there uh, given by the airport. I mean, huge support systems. How about your body? I think your body is one major support system. I mean, you know, if you can't breathe, you're in trouble. But, but there are all kinds of things in regard to breathing that have to do with your heart, that have to do with your blood. And, you know, it's just, I guess, here's what I'm trying to say. You can't do much without a support system. In this life, life requires support systems. Every, everywhere we go, every, everywhere we turn, you need a support system. And I really believe the same is true in your life personally. You can't accomplish what God has called you to do or created you to do on your own. You have to have a, a support system. You cannot be. You know, the Bible talks about how we're being transformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. You can't be, you can't become who God created you to be without, without a support system in your life, without friendship, without fellowship with others in the body of Christ. We're, we're a group of people here. We're, some of us are casual friends. Some of us are intimate friends. But, but, but we're a support system for one another as the body of Christ, helping one another breathe, helping one another not have a heart attack, so to speak. You know, we're, we're, we're helping one another. Right before the pandemic, um, I don't know if you have a news feed on your phone, Flipboard or BuzzFeed or something, you know, maybe Yahoo News or whatever. I, I read a couple articles because this was starting to get a lot of publicity. I, I read a couple articles on the loneliness in the United States. It's there's an epidemic of loneliness in the United States. Loneliness is higher than it's ever been. Uh, epic proportions is what this one article said across our nation. It's causing depression, anxiety, cardiovascular problems, a sleep deprivation, and suicide is at an all-time high. And it's, they attribute a lot of it just to the loneliness uh, in, in our society. Now, what's amazing to me is it's never been easier to communicate in all of history. How many have a cell phone in your pocket? 
I, I took one, I left, left it in the truck because I'd probably go off in here. And, uh, but, you know, we have cell phones, we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got Snapchat, you know. Communication's never been easier, but we've never been less connected in all of our history because we have less intimacy in our relationships. See, even though you communicate through a text, we don't like to talk anymore, do we? We just like to text. It's just convenient. It's so much easier. And I love texting, by the way. It helps me get a lot more done. But communication is not about information. 80% of communication is not what you hear. It's what you feel. And the fact that we don't physically touch, we don't make eye contact, we don't connect with people relationally, we are dying from loneliness, even though we're texting uh, everybody. I'm not against texting. Please don't misunderstand me. But here's what happens today. In our society today, say you get away for the weekend, you go up to Portland, and be careful downtown, but anyway, you go up to Portland and... Uh, you know, maybe you go to the zoo and you have a great time with your family. It's just awesome. You come back all refreshed. You're excited. So, you know, it used to be you'd get together with your friends. You'd have dinner and you'd talk about the wonderful time. And everybody would celebrate your wonderful time. They would be thankful for you. And it would be so enriching. You would all look at one another, smile at one another, touch one another, hug one another. What do we do now? We take pictures. And then we send text. And that's, that's all we do. And that's great. Everyone celebrates. I love it when my daughter, you know, I probably thought of Portland Zoo. She was up there a couple weeks ago and she sent us text. And, you know, Ashton at the tiger cage or whatever. You know, it was, it was fun to see those pictures. My son and his wife were in Scotland um, over the weekend. You know, it's only a couple hundred miles away from London. And they were up there hiking and they send us texts. I love that. I, I love that. But I want to hug them. I want to look them in the eye. I, I, I want to touch them. I want to talk to them. I, I want to see them. And I, I'm not going to discourage any of you from taking pictures and posting them on Snapchat or whatever else. I just I want you to know there's more to, to relationship than that, okay? And one of the things that I hope you will leave this service this morning with God never intended for you to go through life alone God never intended for you to go through life uh, alone God wants every one of us every one of us to have healthy thriving life-giving relationships and and friendships and it's my hope and prayer for all of us for every person who walks in that door sometimes I hate church I hate church because we we have a few people that we know and we love them we like to talk to them but what about the person that walks in that knows no one and, and sometimes they feel like we're self-centered and selfish because we're busy talking to our friends I worry about that I want everyone to feel loved. I, I worry about that our, that our relationships sometimes are a little too closed and not open enough to, 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 to draw uh, others in. It just, it, it just bothers me. It's my hope and it's my prayer that 
every person who ever attends this church would have an arsenal of friends that they could turn to uh, whatever situation that they're going through in their life. It's just so important to me. So let's, let's go back to Luke uh, 23 and 24 again. I, I don't know how much you've ever thought about the women who went uh, Sunday morning uh, to uh, give Jesus a proper burial. That's basically what they were doing. It says in verse 10 of Luke 24, there was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, um, Mary, mother of James. We don't know for sure whether it was James and John who were two of Jesus' disciples, the sons of thunder. We, we don't know. But then it says several others. I think that's interesting. I'd never seen that before. Several others. Now, this had to be one of the darkest days in their life. I mean, it just had to be horrible. I mean, just less than 48 hours earlier, they'd watched Jesus brutally beaten, spit upon. Someone they loved, someone who loved them, they'd watched him brutally beaten, spit upon. When they drove the nails into his hands and into his feet, they saw the blood squirt. They felt, they heard the metal of the hammer as it hit the top of the nail. Okay, they watched that. And, and then, after he died, they followed Joseph, a man from Arithmea, uh, about a little west of Jerusalem toward the Mediterranean Sea. They, they followed Joseph because he had asked for Jesus' body uh, to place it in a tomb because the uh, uh, Sabbath was coming and, 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 and so they, they followed and they, they, it says in Luke 23, they paid careful attention uh, to where they placed him because they wanted to come back and give him a proper burial. Now, can you imagine when they came back? I mean, this has been the worst 48 hours they've ever had in their life. They're up early in the morning. It, they were hurting. It was so hard. Uh, they were hurting. They were frightened. Remember, all the other uh, disciples, many of them ran for their lives when Jesus was arrested. Uh, and they were all hiding because they were afraid they'd be the next ones who, who would be killed. So they're hurting, they're frightened, and by the way, they had a horrible job to do. They had to unwrap his body, which after being dead for a couple of days, that couldn't have smelled very good, okay? He, he's been bleeding out of his hands, out of his side. Remember, they pierced his side with a sword, so he'd been bleeding, uh, blood around his head from the crown of thorns. So th they're gonna unwrap his body? And then they're going to wrap it again with the, the appropriate spices for, for a proper burial. So this is hard, 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 hard day. And, and one of the questions I have is, what gave them the courage to do that? What gave them the conviction to do that? How many of you would have talked yourself out of that? It's going to be nice. It's not going to be good. It's going to stink. You know? What gave them the love? The Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, he says, faith works through love. Love is amazing. Sometimes we, we lose our faith, but love inspires faith again. Faith works through love. So how do they do it? I mean, these ladies, how did they do it? What gave them the courage and the conviction? I think it was a support system they had with one another. Because they've been together following Jesus for about two and a half years. I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. This wasn't the first time these women had been together. They've been together probably off and on because they had families and other things to do while Jesus was ministering. But nevertheless, they've been uh, following Jesus for 
about two and a half years as he's been traveling with his disciples around the Sea of Galilee. In Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, it says, Soon after Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, uh, excuse me, soon after, afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women. Sometimes we don't hear that very well. Along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, uh, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Uh, Joanna, uh, the wife of Chusa, uh, Herod's businessman, very wealthy uh, woman. So you've got a woman of whom was cast out seven demons. Many historians think probably as a result of abuse, uh, possibly a lifestyle of prostitution, uh, a woman who's been emotionally battered in so many ways, hurt in so many ways. Then you've got this rich chick, this glam girl, you know, who's, you know, frequented the palace uh, in, in Herod, Herod's palace. Her husband was his business manager. And then you've got Susanna. We don't know really much about her. And many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Now, now these women were obviously from a lot of different places in their life. Uh, it doesn't mention Mary in this section, but it said Mary, the mother of James, who may have been James and John. They were the fishermen, sons of thunder. Uh, their father owned a fishing business there on the Sea of Galilee. So Mary was you know, married to a, a blue-collar you know, business owner. So you've got a lot of diversity here in these verses. But can I tell you one thing they had in common? They'd all been touched by Jesus. They'd been healed by Jesus. They'd been delivered by Jesus. And can I tell you, they loved Jesus. They'd never been loved by anyone before like Jesus loved them. They had a bond far deeper than their backgrounds or what they'd been through in their life. And as they followed Jesus, I, I really be, believe they became a support system to one another because following Jesus back then wasn't as easy as we think it was. People ridiculed you. They doubted your sanity. N not everyone believed in Jesus. And of course, thankfully, many or most of us do here, but it wasn't easy. So they became a, a support system to one another when they felt ashamed or they struggled with faith or, or weaknesses. If you're a note taker, this is worth maybe thinking about or writing down. It says, you may not get to choose what you go through in this life. And some of us have been through some horrible things. Some of us were raped as a child. And I'm sorry about that. Some of us you know, had, went through a horrible divorce and you know, you're still bleeding. And it's very, very difficult. Some of you have lost a child. Can't, can't imagine the emotional pain of that. Okay, you may not get to choose what you go through in this life, but we do get to choose who we go through it with. And that's super important. I want to encourage you today. You need a support system. You need a support system of like-minded women or like-minded men who've been touched by Jesus, who've been healed by Jesus, who've been 
called by Jesus, who are in love with Jesus. Uh, occasionally, you know, I get, to, I get to talk to people during some of the difficulties and say maybe a, a marriage situation, they're struggling. And one of the things that I can pick up right away is who their support system is. Because I can, I can hear in the way they talk about what they're going through, who they've been talking to and what those people have been saying. Because if they start spouting all the different ideas that we hear about in the world, I know immediately that their support system is, is built around friends at work or, 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 or friends they grew up with or people they're chatting with on social media or whatever. And of course, if they're, if, as they're talking with me, if, they're, if, if their communication is about scriptures or about Jesus, or about what he's doing, or what he's saying. I know their support system is from other Christian women, or other Christian men. See, having the right support system is super important for you in your life, because how many know that this life is full of all kinds of trials and difficulties? I heard a preacher once say, if you're not in a trial, then you're headed into one. <laughs> you know? And if you're not headed into one, you're coming out of one, you know? <laughs> Because Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And, you know, it's just, it's just true. You know, life is not a tennis match. And I know this is a weird illustration, but, you know, you got a weird pastor. So, life is not a tennis match, okay? It sounds weird, but I played tennis in, in high school, a little bit in college. And um, my dad was a state champion tennis player. Uh, for KU, that was back before you got a letter for playing tennis because real men didn't play tennis. But anyway, there have been a few changes in history, but um, he, was, he was a good tennis player. And, and so, you know, every Saturday morning we were playing tennis. I loved it, man. I always loved stopping at the store, getting a Coke on the way home, just being with my dad. It was awesome. But you know, in tennis, you can't receive any coaching during the match. Did you know that? I was watching Serena Williams a couple years ago. She was playing, and of course, they called a foul on her because the coach had said something to her during the match, and she was penalized for it. And, you know, when you're, when you're playing tennis, okay, you've got to rely totally on yourself. It, you, really, you have to encourage yourself. You, you have to analyze your opponent yourself. You have to fix the problems you're having with your swing or your serve. You have to do it all yourself because it's, you're all by yourself out there when you're playing. And unfortunately, some people live that way in their life. I mean, their kids are having trouble in school and they don't want to tell anyone because they're afraid people think less of them as a mom or, or, or as a dad. And so they try to solve all their problems themselves. And I, life is not a tennis game. Life is more like boxing. Now, I know that's weird. I don't know if you watch any of that cage stuff. I don't watch any of that kind of stuff. But when I was a kid, anyone remember Muhammad Ali? The greatest. And, you know, my dad liked boxing, so I'd watch a little boxing with him. But here's one thing about boxing. Remember, you only went out there for about two minutes, and then you came back to the corner, and the coach encouraged you, and they fixed all your wounds. You know, they put stuff on your face, patched you together got a drink of water or whatever. I need that, okay? I need support. I, I need encouragement. I need a coach. I, I need a support system around me to, to help me f f through life. I, I, I really do. And I, 
you know, these women were terrified and frightened, but uh, they had a support system. They had relationship with one another. And I really believe that's what inspired their courage and their conviction and the determination to do what was right at that dark hour and at that difficult time in their life. We need a support system based on the right things. And uh, secondly, we need a support system uh, before the crisis happens. And I'm not going to take very long with this one. Uh, but <laughs> we need a support system before hard times come. You know, building friendships is not easy. I, I think we all know that's true. I, I think all of us, down inside, we have a hidden desire for, for more friendships or closer friendships or more intimacy in, in, in our friendships. And, and building friendships... Uh, it's not easy. It takes time. It take, takes commitment. Friendships are never accidental. They're always made. They're always developed. They're always planned. And they're always cultivated. Uh, Cheryl and I, when we moved to Olympia, Washington several years ago for our first uh, full-time ministry position, uh, we met a young couple named Dave and Janice Kirk. They're about our age. It was their first Sunday in church that I, I met Dave and Janice. And I don't know if they're even Christians yet, but Dave and I hit it off right away because they had just bought a house, a small little two-bedroom house, but it had this attic, huge steep roof, and Dave asked uh, if I'd come over and look at it because, you know, I had been in a, done a little construction, sheetrock, you know, a little bit of framing, things like that. And he said, come over and look at it and see if I could turn that into a, like a bonus room or something. So I went over there and, and looked at it, and, you know, we had a great time. And I said, yeah, you could, you know, cut out a couple rafters here, and you could make some dormers, and you could... Uh, you know, build a stairwell here, and you know, within a few months, uh, we had remodeled this attic into a, a, a bonus room. We had a great time doing it together, some evenings and Saturdays. And uh, my wife and Janice didn't hit it off near as well. And I, I want to say this as politely as I can, but <clears throat> Janice was a little prissy. <laughs> I don't know what you think of when you think of that word, but she was kind of stylish, and you know, she was she was. My wife is beautiful, and she is elegant, and, you know, she always asks me, do I look okay? <laughs> yeah, hot. She's beautiful. I mean, to me, she's as beautiful as they come. And so, so it wasn't a matter of her not, you know, caring about how she looked or anything, but just Janice was just a little bit more uh, prissy. And, <laughs> and so they weren't a natural fit, uh, but I've never been more impressed uh, with anyone than my wife when it comes to friendship. Man, she stuck at it. She kept reaching out. She kept working to find common ground because Dave and I had really hit it off. We were having a lot of fun together. We wanted to have fun as couples. And finally, you know, we had our first uh, child, uh, a baby, and, and they had their first child. We, they both had boys. And, you know, they got to go through pregnancy and, and all that stuff together. And uh, after about... about two or three years after that then, we ended up moving to Baker City. They, they formed a really deep friendship during that time, and, and uh, they continued that friendship when we were over in Bacon, Baker City, pioneered a church, and the phone bills would pile up. Does anyone remember when you got a long-distance phone bill? Back then, you know? I was hanging sheetrock and doing remodeling construction, trying to pioneer a church, and, and I get a phone bill for 130 bucks. <laughs> that was more than a tenth of my income, you know. And I'd go to my wife, 130 bucks. 
she'd say, is it cheaper than a counselor? That's all she would say. Walk away. Cheaper than a counselor. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, what do you say? <laughs> Pay the 130 bucks. <laughs> I just... Uh, anyway, they, they continued their friendship. We probably vacationed every year together until uh, some of you know the story. Uh, Janice got cancer. And, uh, about three or four years later, she passed away. It was very hard, uh, very difficult. Cheryl was, whew, she was there. She was amazing. Uh, friendships are messy. There's no doubt about it. Uh, if you want to stay clean, avoid people because people are messy. They have problems. They hurt. And when they hurt, you hurt, especially if you love them and you get involved. Friendships can be complicated. But true friendships help you grow so much. And, you know, my wife and I just have had a lot of friendships since that time in our life. Uh, some are more casual friends. Some are certainly more, more intimate friends. But friends help you grow. Friends delight your soul. When you see them, you just smile. I mean, just seeing them. <laughs> I hate to say it, Alan and Carol, but when I see you, I just smile. Okay, friends make you smile. They, they're, they're just a delight to, to you. And, uh, but friends also drive you. I, I, I don't know what you think I think as a pastor, but I'll tell you, you're all my friends. I mean, some of you are more casual than, than others, uh, more intimate, but you drive me. Every time I come in here, I have the fear of God that I could say what God is saying for his glory and for your edification and for your sake. You drive me and friends help us become better in our life. They help us grow. They protect us from some of our selfish pity parties in our life. Some of the strategies of the enemy where he wants to defeat us or discourage our faith. When you have a friend... They won't let you go there. <laughs> they won't let you go down that dark hole. They'll come. They'll, they'll pick you up. And, but I'll tell you, we, we, need, we need friends. I hear the Lord probably more through my friends than I do in prayer or, or reading the word. I, I do hear the Lord those ways, but I really believe that friendships, friendships are a gift from God. They add so much uh, to your soul. And... Uh, so my point is we all need friends, but we need a support system based on the right values, on Jesus Christ, on, 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 on his love and his power. We, we, need, we need a friendship before the crisis comes. We need a support system before the crisis comes. And number three would be the last one. We all need a support system based on honesty. And this is super important in our culture today because we live in a culture full of deception. It's full of deception. You know, every time you, every time you hear something or read something, you gotta go, is that the truth? You know, how do I even know that that's real? But also, too, uh, you know, everybody, if you're on social media, everybody on social media has an image, you know? They're promoting who they wish they were through all their pictures, through their style, you know, through whatever fun they're having as a family. They don't, they don't post a picture when they're arguing. They don't post a picture when they're changing diapers, you know? The, the difficulties and, and the hardships of life, we don't post that Hell today, man, I'll tell you, it was hard. 
we post a, an image of ourselves that we want people to see, things we want other people to, to believe. It's sad. We need a support system based on honesty, okay? First John chapter one, verse seven. Uh, this is what John says. He says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me read it again. I'll talk about it a little bit. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, honestly, that verse is about relationship with Jesus. If we walk in the light in honesty and integrity as he's in the light, we have fellowship with Jesus, with God. The Bible says God makes his home with us dwells with us. Now, none of us are perfect. We're not trying to be. But nevertheless, if we you know, keep short accounts, if ask forgiveness for sins, we walk in the light, he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, blood of Jesus cleanses of all sin. But if you read that verse, it's in the context of relationship and fellowship with other people. And you can't separate that verse and the fellowship there literally from the fellowship of the body of Christ. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Because Christ is in us, he's in us together. No one hurts that I don't hurt. No one suffers that I don't care. Okay, we have fellowship with one another. And, and the blood of Jesus is constantly cleansing us personally, together uh, of our sins. We need a support system based on honesty. I, I love that these women were messed up when Jesus found them, don't you? I love that Mary Magdalene, you know, she was delivered from seven demons. That's the girl, <laughs> I want her on my church staff because she's a real person. She understands real life. She understands real hurt. She understands real hardship. Life's hard, it's difficult. We need to be delivered. Sometimes we've, we've been hurt by things deeply, emotionally, but spiritually. And I've been delivered of demonic things in my own life that I partnered with when I was younger or in college and I needed to be set free. And You know, we need deliverance. We, we need, I like that. I like that Mary was delivered from seven demons. She'd be on my team, man. And, you know, the fact that, you know, poor Joanna, you know, uh, the glam doll, uh, you know, she's married to this rich guy and, she had a $70 million house and she had all the rings and all the jewelry and everything and, you know, but she found real love in Jesus, found real value in Jesus. She found real hope in Jesus. I want that girl on my team, you know. Uh, sometimes we criticize people who have a lot, but, you know, when people have had a lot and they realize Jesus is the answer, that's a deep faith. That's a, that's a deep love. I want her on my team. I, I, I want people who are honest, and I love that when I, when I, when I read these verses ab about these women. Well, I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on, on, on up, and, and uh, this morning I just believe the Lord wants to encourage us with our support system. It's been really hard uh, not being able to gather together as much as we normally do. If you're just starting to attend our church, normally, we have 25 or 30 small groups going on at this time of the year. We have classes here uh, at, at our church building and there's a variety of things that we're involved in. And, you know, with this um, pandemic, uh, the social isolation that's been part of it, people have been far more hesitant to even come to church on Sunday morning. 
uh, let alone a, a, a smaller group with people you don't really know or where they've been or whatever. So we've, we've hesitated starting all that. I'm just, my heart really goes out to your kids because I think they're suffering from isolation more than anyone. And I think the, the governor finally came out and said something about that, hallelujah, uh, this, this last week because, you know, we have a tutoring program here at our church for, for kids who, who, who need that support. I got to talk to a single mom last week. She came to pick up her two kids and she looked at me, you know, as though I was doing it. I'm not doing it. I've got great people that are doing it. Appreciate Mike and Mindy and all their staff. But she said, Pastor, thank you so much. She said, as a single mom working full time, I can't do this. And, and she said, my kids are so much happier because they come and they do class. It's an hour and a half. And then they get to play with other kids. They're so much happier. They come home and they're so happy. And I, I thought, awesome. That's awesome. Kids need socializing. They need relationship. And our kids need to be back in school. And, you know, I know we don't talk about this much, but I think all of our reaction to the pandemic is creating more problems than the pandemic. But anyway. A lot of different opinions about that. Jesus, this morning, Lord, every person in this room is listening to me and asking themselves the question, do I have the support system I need? And Lord, someone, some are hurting in their soul because they know they don't. And Lord, I wish I could fix that with a sermon. I, I just can't. Other than try to motivate myself and all of us to, to reach out more maybe to be a little bit more aggressive in our relationships and our friendships friendships you don't find friends you make friends and people need a touch people need a touch during this time of social distancing I think of people every day and I try to text or, or or reach out. People need a touch. They need to know that you care. So I just want to encourage you as, as we continue to go forward as a church founded on the gospel. Let's be a place where everybody can find an arsenal of friends that can truly walk with them through whatever season or difficulty they're facing in their life. Jesus, we just thank you for that. Thank you for helping us do that. Thank you for helping connect us, Lord. We, we, we do. We kind of connect socially, and I like that person. And then we have to do the hard work. We have to make the effort. We have to reach out. And I pray for each one of us, Lord, to go forward, Lord, strengthening our support system and becoming a support system for someone else, Lord. Help us link hearts and hands and arms under the canopy of the gospel. We thank you for that privilege. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Could we all say amen together? Amen. Thank you.